everyone and welcome to Learning with Bell Vista Studios. I am so excited today. I've got Stephanie Yo on an episode. Um, she is super inspiring for our team. She does amazing work around culture and helping people ace work, ace life. She's a work-life brilliance coach. So, and her, her LinkedIn posts are just really great. So there's one that I saw and obviously with everything that's going on at the moment, some people are struggling with coronavirus and the current environment. But Stephanie spoke about how important it is to focus on ourselves and look at what's inside of our control and really use that to be the best that we can be. So I think to our community, you're gonna learn so much from Stephanie. She's got a lot of value to give and yeah, let's get into it. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for taking the time today to be on the show. Thank you, Hannah. I'm so excited to catch up with you, learn more and just have a good chat. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so my first question is, I'd really like to understand what work-life brilliance means from your perspective. Awesome. Work-life brilliance from my perspective is designing a work and life that you love. So much of our lives are kind of blended, particularly in this COVID-19 world where we're on Zoom chats and you see like the dog running in or the kids popping in to say hello. And that's very much our new normal. And a lot of people are embracing that because like this is really the time where our personal lives actually blend into our work lives. And a lot more people are being open to that so instead of saying like oh um I'm like going off screen people are like oh come on bring your kids in let's have a chat like let's involve them in the work that we do for me I oh, like I started my HR career in the late 2000s and there was a lot of texts about how you should keep your home life and your work life separate and I never really believed in that because you spend 80% of your life at work so obviously there's going to be some elements of home that are just going to seep in so for me I kind of wanted to be able to be in a position both in my HR roles and in and my role as a work-life brilliance coach for happiness concierge to be able to enable the people around me so my clients my stakeholders my team members to be able to design a work and life that rocks their socks uh, it's kind of like a choose your adventure but getting intentional i i love being able to create intentional structures for success and that's what what is kind of the backing structure for work-life brilliance that's awesome so what's something that people would do if they wanted to achieve work-life brilliance or they wanted to improve their life, work and life, what's something that they could do to get that process started? Good question. It would really depend on where they are in their career. So one of the modules that I run at Happiness Concierge is called Finding Work That Matters. And it's less about actually looking for a job, but getting clarity on what work matters to you in the context of your life. So it might be like right now we have more options than ever to work different ways. So like if you're someone who is a parent and wanting to spend more time with your children, part-time work might be very attractive to you. That might be what work matters looks like. I think it's very you-centric or it could be someone who's transitioning careers. So for me, I'm a serial career pivoter. I have this diverse experience across human resources, customer experience um, and technology. And I know for me, what I really focused on was what I was missing and craving. 
and really getting clear on like the things that I were missing were things that I had previously had in my career that may not be there. So that's kind of like, if you had a really awesome manager that supported you and they, they resigned or they left because they wanted to carry on their career, that's a really big gap in your experience. So that might be something you're missing as opposed to something you're craving. So that's something that you're looking forward to. So it might be a, a different variety of projects, perhaps a bigger team, perhaps a new industry and getting clear on those things. I think when it comes to being overwhelmed, the biggest cure is taking action. And at Happiness Concierge, we always say like small steps lead to big impact. So for our founder, Rachel, it was journaling every Sunday and just getting clear and asking herself these questions like what am I missing what am I craving and creating space to do that so I think that's my biggest work-life brilliance hack make the time for you that's amazing I love that and I think that's our team loves that sort of thing as well we think it's so important to stop and look at your life and make sure that it's meeting your needs and it's what you want it to be because I think sometimes people can sort of like go through life and they may not be happy with things. They may not enjoy their job or there could be things that could change, but they don't actually do anything about it. And I think like what you said, it's so important to stop and take the time to like write down what would I like to change and how could I do that? So I think that's a really good point. I had a um, person in my webinar last week and they wrote in the chat, they were like, oh my goodness, I'm realizing I have so many opportunities there, but I never stopped to take the time to think about it. So I think you've nailed it on the head and just hit it on the money or I think those changes those phrases are interchangeable but like you've pretty much spot on on making time to stop and reflect definitely and I feel like no matter how busy you are like a lot of people say I'm too busy I don't have time like if you stop and take the time it's actually going to save you time in the future because you're going to design your life in a way that works for you where you're not super busy doing things that you don't want to do so that's I feel like that's as well you know what a a phrase that I really love that my colleague Nick at happiness concierge says all the time she says create a life by design not by default oh I love that that's really cool yeah I think so much of us are in like this tunnel vision where it's just like we're letting things happen and then when we switch gears and get intentional and like focus on what's in our control things can change yeah definitely you are my vibe (laughs) I totally get you. (laughs) So similar to us. It's so cool. Um, So for our listeners out there, I think it'd be really cool. I saw that you help people articulate their why. So help them understand what their why is. So if people are potentially they're not happy or they want to do something different in life, but they don't know what that is, what can they do to understand what their why is and what would help them be happier or yeah. That's a good question. For me, I'm a little bit off book. I have read Start With Why with Simon Sinek and I love that book and I love his work. But I'm definitely like you. I'm a curious person. I love asking questions. And I think when someone is struggling with their why, they might not have that clarity there. So some questions that I like to ask are like, what lights you up? If you think about the times where you're totally in flow, totally in your element, where you lose track of all the time or you like get to you're watching and you'll realize it's five o'clock and I've done all this work. What are you doing? Um, And that might be doing something that's not their nine to five, or that might be something that's in their nine to five. It might be something completely different. I think our why is like more than just our work. It's like our overarching greater purpose. 
And then I also asked, like, what would you like to do more of? I think that's the million dollar question. Like, oh, if everyone could just travel around the world, they could. But specific things like, would you like to have more time for family? Would you like to have more time for exercise? Would you like more time for reading and doing the things that you love? Or would you like more opportunities in your role? So would you like more leadership development? Would you like more time to spend with your team? Uh, my friend Emily, um, my colleague as well at HC, she has this amazing quote and she says, ideally 83% of a leader's time should be spent in strategy mode. So thinking ahead to like the wow. future and anticipating the challenges that their teams will encounter so that they can plan for that, so that they can be on the forefront and empower their teams in a way. And that that I see a lot in the clients that I speak to. Like, I don't have the time to do that. I'd like to. So like, if that's what you'd like, if there's like a drive to empower your teams or drive to be more strategic, and that's an area that lights you up, then that's kind of like a connect the dots moment. And then we just unpack it from there. That's amazing. Very cool. So in terms of, so you can understand what your why is, what about your strengths? Like how do people, where, where does that fit into it all? Because I know you can like have your why and want to be able to do certain things, but there's also things that you're probably really good at. So how do you incorporate that into everything? Yeah, I, I am a like self-confessed feedback fiend. I love receiving, asking and giving feedback. I think it's because early on in my career, I had an amazing manager called Leanne and she taught me this framework called SBI, Situation Behavior Impact. And it's just something that I carried on through the rest of my career. So I'm always just like, oh, how can I do better? Or like, if I'm missing the mark, what, what am I lacking? So I always ask my clients and my team members and the people around me, think back to a time where you receive great feedback. What was that on? And it might be in a performance review or it might be a throwaway comment. Like, thank you so much for making the time to proofread these for me. Or thank you so much for making the time to sit here and review my code or something like that. Or it might be something very big, like, hey, excellent work on the contribution that you did to our project. Our clients love the way that you approach this method, um, if you're an analytical type, like the, it's in the numbers. Like we have all this great feedback from MPS schools or client stories or testimonials and kind of pulling back to the feedback, but also matching that with the times where you felt most proud of your work. So if you look back on your career in terms of like a highlights reel, there are definitely areas where you're like, yes, I can't believe I did that. It's usually times where you're faced with this challenge that feels really overwhelming um, and you didn't think you could do it, but you did it and you climbed that hill. So you managed to turn it around for a client. You managed to learn a new skill. You managed to onboard a new team or a new team, a, a new team member. And that kind of made the biggest difference in the bigger picture. So that's kind of what I would do to help people understand where their strengths lie. That's awesome. So from that, I would say for everyone listening, think back to when you have felt really proud and you've done something really well. And that can be a great way to yeah, understand what your strengths are and also ask for feedback. So I guess it can be hard to receive feedback, especially if it's negative. But I guess if you can openly tell people that you trust, please tell me the truth and be honest with me so you can improve and be better and understand where your strengths are. I think that's really cool as well. Yeah, you can use a phrase like, I'm always looking to improve as a leader or a team member or an ex-professional. I would really appreciate and value your feedback on and get really specific um, 
on my performance or on my approach or on this project um, so that they can pinpoint where you went well and kind of just like have a retrospective take. That's awesome. Love it. Very practical. You're so good at being practical. So people know. Oh, thanks. <laughs> really good. Um, so another thing is around communication. So once you understand what your why is, what your strengths are, how do you put that out into the world in a confident and influential way? Another great question. You're just giving all the bangers, Hannah. This is such a good chat. Um, okay, so a trick that I like to use is I always road test, not always, but if I'm ever feeling ambivalent about communicating my brand or my why or something that I'm working on, I shoulder tap my best friend, Hales, and I said, like, Hales, from your perspective as a reader, what do you feel from this post? And she gives feedback for that. And I kind of say, like, this is the outcome of the post, or this is how I like uh, my readers to feel, or like, I, this is the one thing I'd like them to take away. And I'm not sure if I'm hitting the mark. Um, I know myself, I can be super critical because I'm a recovering perfectionist. So every time I write something, I'm just like, I'm not sure. That's why I'm not so much putting it out there to get validation, but I'm putting it out there to get a different perspective. So I always say like, does this sound like me? And, and she always comes back with like, no, I actually think you need to add more of this in there or like this, um, I don't understand how this is relevant or she comes back and she says like yeah you've nailed it like that's definitely a, like a Steph post um just to get the essence it's easier to share that with somebody who knows you than to like blast it online and just mm. um kind of be like hungry hungry hippos it's like play that wedding game and like did it hit the mark um and sometimes when you're writing posts about you I know a lot of people are afraid to because like they don't want to, you know, I don't want to be snobby or stuck up or like, I don't want to brag, but most times it's like, you're writing that post for you. You're the reader and it's as much to commemorate the amazing work that you do as it is to like appease the audience. So that's something that I don't want everyone to lose sight of. And I know myself in the post that I write sometimes, um, this is going to be sound really nerdy, but like I refer back to my LinkedIn post, um, and I'm looking for inspiration and I'd be like, oh, that's something that I wrote. Um, how does it apply to like what I'm doing now? And I can yeah. kind of like unpack that further. I love that. That's exactly what we do as well. <laughs> I feel like we're so similar. So yeah, with like writing posts and things like that, you're so right. I think it's important that it's genuine and it's authentic because there's only one of you in the world. So you want to make sure yeah. that you put out who you are. Um, and yeah, also checking that intent with someone or checking it with someone who you trust and just saying, this is my intent. Um, does it come across in that way? And just getting that feedback from someone. I think that's amazing. Um, something else. So a lot of our community would be doing freelancing or wanting to show their value to others and put themselves out there in the industry. Would you have any tips around doing like an elevator pitch or knowing how to, in a short sentence or whatever to be able to explain what they do and show the value that they have do you have any definitely uh, i'm in that boat i'm i have a portfolio portfolio career where i am freelancing myself and i think that goes hand in hand with career reinvention it changes it as a freelancer what i've noticed is what you start doing might not be what you eventually want to do or it might evolve or it might be project-based so I think it's to really understand the audience and 
um, tailor it to those needs. So I'm thinking like the empathy map. So if I'm talking to a prospective client of mine, like what are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are their pain points? How can I add value to them and be able to share that? However, if it's like a holistic elevator pitch that you want to put on your LinkedIn bio or your website, I really want to narrow down to your, I what is it? It's like your unique selling point, USP, which sounds really yeah. scientific, but it's really kind of um, your DNA in terms of like the value that you bring. So what I encourage my clients to do is think about the testimonials that you've had from the clients or the team members that you've worked with. And you can refer to your LinkedIn recommendation page and you can say, you can draw upon what they, how they describe you. So if you're someone who's analytical, you can highlight that like um, analytical, like ex professional who is skilled in being analytical X, Y, Z, or you can, um, you can do something different. You can really think about who do you want to be in the future sense and work back for it from that. So it might be like an emerging professional who's interested in X, Y, Z and work backwards from that. I think with the elevator pitch, it's something that it's hard to do by yourself, which is why I think there's a lot of value in roping in your support network. So that might be your partner, um, your manager, if you have a good relationship, your previous manager, your colleagues, or your best friend in my case, and really just bounce those ideas until it does feel right for you. Yeah, awesome. I love that. So cool. So for, it'd be really great now, before we move on to this, actually, is there anything else that you would recommend for individuals to achieve work-life brilliance? Is there anything that we've missed that you think would be important for our community to learn about or know about? Oh, so much. I think. <laughs> talk I, could, hours. I, I would. I would if I could. The biggest takeaway I want everyone to have is linking back to what we discussed earlier, in order for you to take care of those around you, whether it be your family, your friends, your colleagues, or your organization, you really need to start with the most important person in the room, which is you. So it's all about creating that space. And I know um, a lot of people online, there's a lot of pressure to be productive but productivity is actually defined by you so let's say if you're a morning person that might be in my case I'm I'm a little bit um cuckoo like I'm not gonna lie I wake up at 5 30 every morning and I have that time to do me and sometimes that looks like getting to inbox zero sometimes that looks like reading a book or writing a post that I've been putting off but just creating that space to catch up on myself for me I found really beneficial um also I have this thing like a, a weekly review and a Sunday retrospective where I go through like I have a checklist for things that I need to clean so like clean the bathroom have I done that just like little things yeah, no, um, that make a really big difference to our lives and I think all of us have that um another trick that I like to share is having an if then checklist and this is something that I learned from this YouTuber called Michelle B. She is amazing. She is a self-discovery queen. She is a um, productivity and just like personal development guru on YouTube. And she has this thing called the if-then checklist. So for example, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, then I need to take a break. Then I need to go drink some water. Then I need to go for a walk or I need to like practice self-compassion. So for me, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I feel it in my chest. It's like, it's tight. It's tied up in here. So I realized that like um, what's going on in my peripheral, like it might be I'm starting something new and I've hit a wall and I have to say like, 
this is okay. Um, this is part of the human experience. You're not alone in hitting the wall. Many people go through it. Let's just take a break and go and do something and just get my mind out of that headspace and then come back to whatever I'm doing, feeling refreshed and recharged. So those are my top two tips. Create space to get in touch with who you are and invest in yourself and also have a checklist handy wherever um, whatever part of your life so if it's cleaning great packing even better um, if it's feeling overwhelmed awesome but it'll look different for everyone yeah I love that I feel like from what you've said it's all about understanding who you are and making sure that you do invest in yourself so I think sometimes if we get overwhelmed or we've got lots of things going on, we don't take that time to stop and think, what do I need to do to get myself in a better space? Especially the overwhelm one. I can definitely relate to that. And I'm sure a lot of people watching this video could relate to that as well. Rather than just trying to push through, sometimes you do need to take a break or take a breath or go for a walk. And that can have a good, really good impact on your life. And I love how you reflect on your week as well and just have that checklist to get through things. because. I feel like if it's in the back of your head, it can impact how you are every day because it's like, I've got these things I need to do and I haven't done anything about it. But by doing that, it can really get you on track and help you feel in control. Um, and I love that you get up at 5.30 to do all those things for yourself. I do the same thing. <laughs> so oh, I get awesome. up. I'm going to give you a special high five. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it's not just me. Like... No, yeah, I do it because it's time, I think, for anyone out there who feels overwhelmed in their day, if you can do it, if you can go to bed that little bit earlier, or whenever the time is for you, maybe it's late at night, it doesn't be earlier. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but I think just having that time where for yourself, where you figure out the things that you want to achieve, what changes you need to make, what you need to work on for yourself, and taking that time. And I think that's a lot of like self-love and self-worth and understanding who you are and putting effort into that. So that's amazing, very cool. So we've spoken about the individual. I think it'd be really useful now. I know you do work around organizational culture. How, yeah. how is a culture like this? Like if I think about a culture where everyone is feeling like they're acing work, they're acing life, they know their why, they know their strengths. A team like that to me would be so high performing and it would just be amazing. So what, how do you achieve that for a team? What would people need to do for their team to be in that place? You know what? It's, it's going to sound like a buzzword, but I promise you it's not. And it's <laughs> the number one thing is psychological safety. And I, I keep referring back to this and it's been proven. Um, Google did this amazing project called Project Aristotle. And the number one thing that kept on coming up for them in regards to high-performing teams and high-performing culture was psychological safety. So how safe do your people feel in your care and do you create the conditions for them to show up and be authentic and feel like they are being themselves in both their work and their lives and like I'm going to throw a HC example in here one of our cultural values is um, fail safely so publicly or I'm probably paraphrasing that so essentially it means we do dry runs to the walls and all of us are committed to supporting each other because we've all been there. We've all been in a position where we've had to lead a webinar for the first time or engage with a client or develop a relationship or shadow as a coach or mentor. And we have a collective shared experience. So recently, one of my amazing colleagues, Emily, she led this all day facilitation 
on this workshop called Essential Skills for Managers yesterday. In the lead up to Emily leading this module, we did a lot of digital onboarding and digital best practices. So Emily and I got together and we ran through all of the components that would make for a great digital virtual experience for our clients. So we talk about like, how do we scale the happiness concierge experience online? And Emily is an experienced facilitator. She's big in culture and capability. So I was able to draw from her own experiences and Emily uh, taught me a lot in the way. So we did one session one-on-one -on -one, and then we did a second session with the wider team. And with Zoom, there's a lot of different functionality. For example, breakout rooms are fun, but they can also be your worst enemy if you don't know how to use them. So we had we created a space for Emily to have a play and all of our team members were test participants in her session. And Emily just ran the show. She was in the driver's seat. She had a play. Um, if things broke, we, we were all there ready to troubleshoot with her. So we we're all like, oh, you know what, Emily, you could press this button to make this a different result or you could try this approach or you can use bigger hand gestures or so and so and it was kind of like the brain's trust unpacked all of the fears because when you're delivering virtually it's like um another phrase from my colleague nick shift happens you're expecting the tech to fail and that's like the biggest anxiety for everyone i know like emily said the phrase of the years you're on mute and that often happens like when you're so passionate and you're like doing this diatribe and then you realize like i'm on mute so having that practice and getting used to the yeah. tool um and being in a team that is supportive of you so like you can feel like you can break as many things as you want in this in this instance before going live so you've already had that experience and i always say like role play for role development like if we've done it once we're more likely to feel like we can do it like it's already been done so with that in mind that that condition for success and that condition for safety was we're all in this, this together we've been there before we're coming together to help support you and champion you and actually on the day i spent um with I spent the whole day of Emily yesterday just being the behind the scenes tech concierge or tech D-Day as I like to call it. And I said like, Emily, you can focus on delivering a great facilitation and a great learning experience. I'm going to be here. I'll be manning the breakout rooms. I'll be manning the chat. I'll be engaging with the people. Um, and she just felt so supported and she felt like a weight had been lifted because we already had that time to try all the things. We had already had that time to unpack everything that could go wrong and unpack everything that could go right um, and I think well, even though this is a very long-winded example this nice, is amazing such yeah. a practical example yeah it's so good and it makes me think the importance of in teams having that trust and like what you, like being able to be vulnerable and I just wonder for teams where that's not possible so if a team is in a state where they don't feel like they can be vulnerable with each other and they don't want to make a mistake or they don't want to show that they don't know how to do something, how do you deal with that? Do you ever work with teams that are in that state and you sort of need to shift them and get them to move to a state? Cause your team sounds like high performing. It's like, I would want to be in that team. It sounds like a team that supports each other and helps each other and you're able to make mistakes. So how do you work with teams or what can you do as an individual to influence 
to get from one state to that state, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. And I'm not going to lie, I have been in that position like early in my career. I think every emerging professional feels this. There's like this pressure to just get everything right the first time. Um, And I think it's like a bit of presenteeism, like showing up and being there, but also like being afraid to reach out for help because you don't like as you go on your career, um, and I was reading this article yesterday, it's like micromanaging is a feeling. Um, when you're starting out, it doesn't feel like micromanaging because you need people to tell you how to do things. But as you progress in your career, you want more autonomy because you already know how to do things to a better ability than you did when you started. So yeah. what I'm trying to say in this instance is when it comes to not knowing how to do things or being in a team where you don't feel safe to speak up, this is kind of a new form of leadership. Like you need to lead by example. Um, I think with leadership, it doesn't necessarily mean leading a team or leading a project. And I think there's so much importance that needs to be placed on leading by example. So having somebody step up and say like, hey, um, I was really struggling with this the other day. It opens the opportunity for connection and also creating a sense of community so that everyone knows that they're not alone and that this is part of the human experience. People do make mistakes, but I think it's really dependent on the other factors at play. So whether or not you're in an organization where the culture is there are no mistakes, like you cannot fail. I think if that's an instance, then that's, that's a bigger fish to fry. I think that's yeah. something that um, needs to be discussed with your managers, with the HR team, with the wider leadership team. And that can be done through conducting a culture survey. That can be done through, um, my approach is to collect a catalog of conversations. So like sometimes when you run a survey, you don't get the sentiment. You don't get the exact specific pinpoint um, area of how they felt so I think it's always good to follow up with teams and team leaders and putting those things together and workshopping in a way that like you know we have this problem we want to be a high performing organization but in order to do so we need to create a safe space and we need to start showing up as leaders and saying that like throughout my career I've made mistakes and this is how I've recovered and if you're in a position where you feel afraid to make mistakes or afraid to try or afraid to speak up, like, I feel you, I've been there, it's okay. And we really wanna start having these conversations because culture is, it's the stories that we tell each other every day. It's the set of behaviors that we live and demonstrate. So when we can do that, when we feel safe to do that and we have other people showing up, it makes it easier for us to speak up. Yeah, love it. So when you're figuring out what the culture is like for a team, what tools do you use to understand? Because you said you speak to, like you'll speak to the people in the team and try to understand what it's like for them. What do you, are there any tools that you use to extract that information and learn about their culture? I love the coaching habit. Um, it's by Michael, long last name. <laughs> <laughs> Google this beforehand. In the description. <laughs> The coaching habit is like my go-to leadership book. Um, I've I've referred to it ever since. It was something that was given to me when I was starting out as a young HR professional and something that I've carried on. And the coaching habit is all about asking these inquisitive questions, but it's also about pausing for effect. Um, I think with humans, everyone feels the need to fill in the gap. But when you pause for effect and create silence if you're working with a variety of team members that might give them time to think about what to say next about 
think deeply and reflect on what they're actually going through. Because uh, sometimes when you're constantly asking questions, they there might be rapid fire answers, which is really good if you just wanna understand the high level of what's going on. But if you wanna dig deeper, you'll wanna pause for effect um, and unpack that further. And I think with discovery, and I know this is human-centered design, you really wanna have that empathy piece there and you wanna be able to understand and get in the shoes of the people that you're interacting with. So like, tell me about a day in the life of you and make it really broad so that they can chime in where they see fit as opposed to asking closed-ended questions like how um, how are you besides from tell me about your day what have you been up to they give it they give your team members more opportunities to speak up and be like you know what I've had a terrible day well tell me about that what made it terrible and just unpack it from there but also don't fill in the answers for them just let them share their perspective your role is to not judge and not defend the company's position you're just there seeking to understand like if you go into judgmental zone if you respond with something like yes but dot 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 that makes people feel very much not at ease and it's easier for them to feel defensive because they don't feel safe yeah i love that example it's like yeah it's isn't it yes and Rather yeah, yes, and. Uh, yes, and blah, blah, blah. And it helps people exactly. get not feel defensive. Yes, and tell me more. Like, yes, and why did you feel that way? What was going on? I, help me understand the context. Yeah, that's great. So I guess for people out there, if, if you're a leader even and you're wanting to create a good culture for your team, just seeking to understand what's going on for people and enabling them to be vulnerable, not being judgmental and just letting them explain exactly how they feel. And I guess by role modeling that and showing vulnerability themselves, it will be a ripple effect to the rest of the team. And I think that uh, that is the best type of team that you can be in because I, we are super lucky at Bell Vista Studios. We have a team like that where we support each other. And if you're having trouble with something, we can just get on a Skype call and talk about it. It's, there's not like that. I don't want to look bad in front of my boss or I'm going to look silly if I ask this question. Like, so I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, so we're very lucky to have that. But I think what you've spoken about on this podcast is so valuable because it can help people to achieve that from their teams, whether you're a leader or even a part of the team. Even if you can start role modeling that as a team member, you can create that environment and therefore enjoy work a lot more. So, yeah, awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to share around culture? Yes. So last week I did this amazing masterclass and it's with this guy called Jeremy Dean. He's the founder of Elephants and Riders and he created this tool called the Emotional Culture Deck. So essentially it's like this deck of cards and there are two different types of cards. So there's like the the cards that are black and that's what you want to feel. So he asked participants like stepping into this week, how would you like to feel um, versus like how are you feeling? And I think this is a really good retro exercise for teams but also for individuals and the second part of the deck is like how how would you like to oh not how would you like to feel sorry um stepping into next week what's an emotion that you might feel um that is unpleasant but you might have to feel from time to time so a common one that kept on coming up for me was like feeling stuck uh i think because a lot of the projects that I'm working on are quite new to me. Whilst it's very exciting to get to explore these different avenues, 
there are also things that are out of my control. So like things that are limited. So I might feel stuck in this approach because I don't know um, whether or not I'm on the right track and therefore I need to ask for feedback. But Jeremy says, when you put a label to your emotion, when you're able to call it out, it actually makes you feel less emotional because you're in, you're switching gears. So instead of like feeling the emotions, you're kind of like, you know, I might feel stuck next week, but now that I know that I'm going to feel stuck, I can think about strategies to help feel unstuck. So that emotional agility piece. That's so cool. What are some strategies? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool resources in the description. (laughs) You've mentioned so many good ones. Um, What are some strategies for feeling unstuck? I think it's back to that locus of control. So locus of control is a term derived by psychologist Julian Rodder. And it's all about thinking about how we respond to the things that are coming our way. So we can either be like, everything is happening to me. Everything is awful. Or we can, I know this is like Lego movie type stuff. Like everything is awesome. It might not be, but it could be well, you know what? I'm in control of how I respond. Everything might not be awesome, but I get to choose how I respond and show up in this situation. So if I'm feeling like I'm going to be stuck, what are some strategies that I could use? Um, Something that's really helpful for me is like laid out visually. So whether that's post-its or I use a tool called Notion. So like I can see everything that I need to do next week and I can see the limitations. So Honest confession, I'm not the most process-orientated person in the world, so this is a new learning for me. But by writing out all of the things and making it bite-sized, I can be like, oh, actually, I need to call so-and-so, um, and I can see that process flow a lot better than just having it in my head. So, like, doing the brain dump and getting it out on paper or online is really helpful. Um, yeah. It might be reaching out. It might be like, you know what, I've hit a roadblock, and this is this is a – work that I might not be happy with 100%, but I have to like put myself out there and ask for help, ask my manager, um, is this in alignment to what you want? Uh, And making sure that everybody's on the same page. So like, what are the things that need to be done? What are the things that are nice to have? Um, What does success look like broadly? And success looks like something different for every project. So like remembering that when you are undertaking new things is important. Or honestly, it could just be, switching context so it might be like you're doing three pomodoros and you're just out of brain juice and you need to take time go downstairs make yourself a cup of tea um do a dance cardio class if you're anything like me or just like do something else like a small task but do it well so that when you do return to it you're like ah like i'm in a better state of mind than just um feeling what is that term like bashing your head on the wall yeah yeah love it It's really cool when you talk about that as well, getting yourself into a good state, because that's something that I find really useful as well. And I think we do have some element of control over the state that we're in, even though people feel sometimes you might think I don't have control over this, like I feel nervous or I think we do have some sort of control. And before this podcast, when you said I'm listening to my like pump up playlist, it made me think like it's things like that that can really help you if you can find something that helps you be better or puts yourself into a state where you can do something to the best of your ability, like find out what those things are and invest in yourself and love yourself enough to make time for it. So yeah, yeah. that's exactly how I took it. So like coming onto this podcast, I was feeling nervous and I read in a study that nervousness and excitement are essentially like the same biological 
causes in your body so I just tried to say like I'm excited so how am I going to get myself excited for this and like dispel the nerves a little bit and I just had to put some pop-up tunes on my playlist some Maggie Rogers some Haim and just get into better headspace yeah totally I think we do have control over that and there are things that you can do so it's amazing well Stephanie you have been so amazing oh my gosh you have shared so much value and the things you've spoken about like a lot of it aligns with what we do so I'm just thinking we're so like we vibe which is amazing Um, but I've definitely learned a lot from you as well but everyone who's watching please listen to this if you need to listen back do so because if you do the things that Stephanie has spoken about, you can improve your life. You can be more confident in your work, more confident yet yeah, in life and in general. You can communicate your value to people. You can get the opportunities that you want. There's so many, it's almost like everything you've shared has such a ripple effect on life in general. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything else you wanted to leave our listeners with to help them on their journey before we finish up? I just want to say like it's okay if you're not feeling crash hot it's okay if you're feeling burnt out or it's okay if you find yourself in a position where you're not feeling confident about your work or your life like we've all been there you're not alone in that and like I hope whatever comes from this podcast is going to be helpful for you but if you are feeling that way um, I want to encourage everyone to just get out of their head and think about a different perspective and that might be reaching out to somebody that might be journaling that might be Um, doing something that makes you feel happy and fulfilled and um, excited again and just recharging your batteries Um, my my partner has this amazing analogy called the self-love fridge and he is this definitely um, the opposite of not so much the opposite of me but he's very analytical he's very logical he's very um, focused in a different way I think that's complimentary is what I'm trying to say so his analogy is like rock my socks and it was like we have this fridge and it's a self-love fridge and inside if you open the fridge what do you see like is it empty is there junk food in there is there smelly socks is there things that like you've put off or is it like full of um, vegetables is it full of like nourishing things and nourishing food and kind of just like taking a moment to um, I love the phrase like top up your cup or fill up your tank and fill up your fridge is another visual metaphor that you can have when you are feeling not confident or burnt out or unsure about what's happening like it's okay everybody has been there everybody will continue to be there but it's all about how we choose to move forward that counts love it amazing so everyone check out stephanie listen to her advice replay that if you need to because that is some solid advice right there i think it's so important that you take action on these things. Um, I'm going to put your LinkedIn in the description below. Is there anywhere else you'd like to direct people to learn more about you or? Yeah, 100%. Um, LinkedIn is where I hang out most of the times. But if you want to learn more about work-life brilliance or happiness concierge, I'll pop the link to our page as well. We've always got amazing events, amazing workshops, and we offer coaching. I know myself, like I've throughout my career, I've always like sought out a coach. It can be so beneficial to have a different perspective to soundboard, particularly if it's like you're in a place where you haven't been before and you want to hear a different perspective of someone who's been there or somebody who is completely different, like a different industry. It can be super game changing. I know it has for me. So I'm going to leave a link in the doobly-doo below. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's, that's where you can find me for now. 
Awesome. And anyone who is watching this, if there's anyone that this will add value to, um, to help them with their life or their work life, please share it with them. And thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on the show. Thank you, Hannah. And thank you, Bell Vista Studios. It's been a blast.